Welcome to Football Neophyte, where an American who knows a lot about sports, but little about soccer, uh, football, journeys through the 2018-19 English Premier League season to discover a team to root for. I'm your host, Nate Hughes. Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophyte. I'm Nate Hughes, and today, fitting the weather here in Phoenix... We have all the way from England, Johnny Massard, supporter of West Ham United, and also uh, the owner and administrator of the West Ham Fan Zone page on Facebook. Johnny, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Nate. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, it's almost as if our weather here knew you'd be joining us because uh, <laughs> Phoenix in early October is typically still in the 90s, which is like low to mid 30s Celsius. And today yeah. it's like 74 and it's been raining for the last 36 hours. We have like the remnants. More, more English weather. Yeah, very English. I even prepared some tea for myself to drink as we talk. <laughs> I wanted to make this as, as much of an English uh, experience as possible. So uh, thanks so much, man, for being on. No, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, Johnny, tell me, how how did you become a fan of West Ham United? Um, yeah, so I think sort of your family and your family links always have an influence on what football team you support. Um, for me, it was my uncle who was really into football, and he got me to support West Ham from an early age. Um, making me watch games and getting kits and that kind of thing. Um, he took me to my first game in 2010, <clears throat> which was a 2-0 win over Birmingham City in the Premier League. Um, it's obviously always great to start with a win, and that really got me drawn in. Um, and I just absolutely love the atmosphere, the, the buzz that you got from the ground before the game, after the game. Everything was just amazing, and I knew I was going to be a West Ham fan for life. Oh, that's awesome. So are you from London originally then? Um, I'm from just outside London um, in Essex, so it's pretty much the closest Premier League team to where I live, which is really convenient as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, that's all the teams I've supported, you know, my whole life pretty much have some sort of family connection. Um, yeah. And that's what makes this adventure so kind of exciting and abnormal, I think, is really for the first time in my life, I'm choosing a team using... Yeah whether it's absurd or not, some sort of logic and decision-making process, <laughs> like process, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, me, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me about West Ham United. Uh, give me the hard sell, man. Why, why should I choose West Ham? Yeah. So um, I think one of the key characteristics of West Ham is that it's a club based on history and that history is still really intrinsically linked to the club now. So it was founded in 1895 as the Thames Ironworks, hence the nickname the Irons now and the Come On Your Irons chant. Um, and in 1900 became West Ham United. Um, and 1904, we moved to the Bowling Ground, um, which is our ground for over 100 years. It's just an amazing football ground. It's really um, sort of an iconic football ground um, in English football. It's somewhere that teams really feared going to. Yeah. Um, and obviously now we've moved to the Olympic Stadium. It's slightly different, but we're trying to kind of create that same atmosphere again. Yeah, I can um, imagine that being a, a, a challenge to have this iconic grounds and then to move to this, yeah. you know, hyper elite state-of-the-art stadium where you've maybe lost some of the character. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing with the the London Stadium is it's much more commercialised than um, the bowling ground was, which was sort of a very working class stadium. This is completely different. It's very corporate, but I think West Ham fans are really trying to make it more similar to the bowling ground and the chairman are getting people to bring flags and these kind of things to kind of get that character back. So yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then, yeah, just a little bit more about sort of the history side. We, in 1966, when England won the World Cup, um, there were three West Ham players in the team. Bobby Moore was the captain. So Jeff Hurst scored a hat-trick in the final, which is the only World Cup final hat-trick ever. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, there's just loads of history, links with England and that kind of thing. And it just makes the club just such a fantastic club to support. Yeah, that's great. I know, you know, one of the one of the things that some of the other supporters have talked to me about is, you know, the history and what, what makes yeah. a club unique. And I think one of the things I've noticed that resonates with me is these kind of more working class uh, mm-hmm. clubs where there's a history of, you know, not the uh, kind of the upper uh, echelons of society or the elite, yeah, for sure. but, but working class people, middle-class people uh, with, with real roots in the community, you know, and I can imagine yeah. that being part of the challenge of the new, of the new stadium as well, you know, kind of leaving some of that behind, but still trying to, to recreate it in some ways in this brand new stadium. Yeah, and I think linked to that as well, West Ham's always been known as having a nickname, the Academy of Football, with known to have this great youth academy to bring through players, traditionally players from the London area, such as like Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, Michael Carrick, um, and then more recently, Mark Noble, Declan Rice. So it's kind of just getting that, that character back and building up the, the history and, the, and um, yeah, that philosophy of the, of the club. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, tell me about the bubbles. Man, what's that all about? Okay. I, noticed that, I noticed that like bubble like going off as the teams ran out of the field and bubbles all throughout the stadium. What what's going on with that? Yeah, so you asked me a little bit about that earlier, and I, I actually had to do some research myself because I know obviously um, the team uh, song is "I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles." It plays for every home game, and the fans stand up and sing, and it just creates this amazing atmosphere. But then it got me thinking, where did the tradition actually come from? Um, and I had a little look. And in the 1920s, there was a player who had the nickname Bubbles. And um, the manager sort of started singing I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles whenever he would be playing well. It caught on with the fans. They started singing it before every game. And it just caught on like that. And then, then in the uh, 1980s, the Cockney Rejects, that are sort of a punk rock band um, based in East London, covered the song. And that's the one that plays before every game, hence the Bubbles at the stadium. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and where, how, where does the name come from, West Ham? West Ham, I think it's just a um, locational thing. So there's East Ham in London, and it's just a different area of that particular vicinity. Okay, got it. I didn't know if it had anything to do with hammers, but because obviously that's like one of the... Um, no, that more originates from the West Ham. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, okay. That's helpful. Yeah. And I think you already referenced this, but I, I noticed some hashtags during during the match when I was on Twitter and, and Facebook, but yeah. the C-O-Y-I. Yeah. So that's come on you irons. Um, so like I said, that kind of originates from when the club was founded, the Thames Iron Works. So it's just a reference to our history and where we came from, basically. Okay. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, 
any other things I should know about the team, the history? I noticed that we, we have had a couple of Americans who have played uh, for the team over the years. There's been a few. There's been a few. Yeah. Um, I but not anyone like a Clint Dempsey or anything like that. Not any kind of star American players. From the top of my head, I can think of Jonathan Spectre, I think, was an American player. Yeah, um, he, but I can't think of many. Yeah, he, I think, is the most, the most recent one. Yeah, because that's obviously something else that I'm considering as I'm as I'm looking at teams is you know is there are there's not a lot of Americans who play in the Premier League right now, but you know there yeah. that obviously adds to the value as an American. John Harks, I think, also played there for a brief okay a brief bit in the '90s, but um, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I'm only been... 19, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit before I was born. That's right. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about about the match uh obviously yeah. a great week uh to Fantastic. to have you on uh beating man U 3-1 right yeah it was an absolutely amazing result i you kind of go into the game and you're thinking we're playing manchester united this is going to be a tough one um but west ham always seems to turn up against the big sides it's something that we've always seemed to do we'll lose the games that you expect us to to win and we'll win the ones you expect us to lose and um yeah that happened that happened on Saturday and last week in the draw against Chelsea. So it's just been a really, really good period to be a West Ham fan at the moment. Well, it's great. Well, you had a rough start, right? Like, uh, yeah. was, it, was it four losses to start the start the season? Yeah, yeah. We lost our first four or five, but we've really turned it around since then. We've beaten Everton, um, drawn with Chelsea. We beat Macclesfield um, 8-0 in the League Cup I saw um, in the week. So it's been fantastic, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, a couple things that, that I noticed in the, in the, the match, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to see, you know, I only get one match or a couple yeah. matches to watch uh, a year and they're so early here. I was up at four 30 in the morning, uh, <laughs> watching <Wow>. this match. <laughs> Fabianski just seemed really good in goal. I don't know if that's t- typical for him, but he made a couple really nice plays so he was a guy that I that I really enjoyed watching. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. I mean, he just signed this summer. He only cost seven million, um, oh, wow. and he's sort of an established Premier League player. Um, he's played at Swansea before this, um, but he's sort of exceeded my expectations. He's been fantastic. He just he had this nickname before of Flappy Ansky because people said he used to sort of flap around in the air with his hands <laughs> and that kind of thing. But I haven't seen any kind of signs of that. He's been absolutely brilliant and he commands his box fantastically, catches every cross that comes in. So, yeah, he's been brilliant. Yeah, that was, it was really good. And I, I don't know if you listened to the first episode of my podcast where I kind of introduced myself, but um, mm-hmm. I lived in the Czech Republic for, for seven and a half years and uh, okay. right on the Polish border. So I have this little like yeah. hole in my heart for, for, <laughs> for Poles as well. So uh, seeing yeah. a, a Polish guy on the team was was appealing to me. So, um, yeah. but also uh, Felipe Anderson, just like he was probably the most fun player to watch throughout the mm-hmm. game. Obviously, mm-hmm. he scored that that first goal, um, but just like so fun to watch. Yeah, he's just sort of like a really mercurial winger. He. He's full of skill. He's a typical Brazilian and he's our record signing. He costs over 40 million when we brought him in and everyone's a little bit sceptical about it because he's only played in uh, the Italian league, which is traditionally a bit slower and yeah. he's just playing. But he's absolutely set 
set the league alight, um, certainly in the last few games. And his goal on Saturday was just a fantastic flick. And yeah. his, his skills are just brilliant to watch. He's so entertaining to watch as a player. Yeah, super fun. And Yarmolenko was good too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, looked great. Those are just a couple of the guys who, who stood out to me. Anyone else, if I catch yeah. another West Ham game, which I'm certain to as the season goes mm-hmm. on, anyone else I should be keeping my eye on or a player that you particularly like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a few. Um, the centre-back partnership on Saturday was um, Issa Diop and Balbuena. They're both new signings um, from the summer. Lots of new signings brought in over the summer, which is nice. Um, and they've just made this fantastic partnership. Jose Mourinho, after the game, called Issa Diop a monster because um, he just said he won every aerial duel and he was fantastic. So, yeah, they're definitely people to watch out for defensively. But in the attack, Mark Arnautovic are... are striker and kind of talisman is just a fantastic player he's not sort of your typical striker he's six foot three six foot four very bulky strong player but quick as well and great finisher he's just he's brilliant to watch and he scores so many goals yeah there was a play and probably multiple plays but one really stood out with Diop mm-hmm. on on D he made this great challenge on Lukaku yeah and I just yeah yeah, yeah was, I know the one you remember that one like that yeah, I made a little note to myself about it because I was like, that was, a, <laughs> that was a great, a great play. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. He re- and he just times the challenge as well. Um, and he's only 21 as well, which is amazing. He captained Toulouse in France at the age of 21 and we brought him over. And I think he's going to be, you know, one of France's next big things. Yeah, that's great. You, you also mentioned, um, you mentioned there, your, one of the nicknames is the Academy, right? Are there any guys yeah. who on the team currently who've been brought up through the academy? Yeah, so um, Mark Noble, who's the club captain, has okay. been at West Ham since he was a kid. Um, he absolutely believes Claret and Blue. Um, he's a fantastic um, sort of statesman for the club. He's taken a bit of criticism recently for maybe being a bit slower than other central midfielders, but he's been really, really good in recent games. And I think Pellegrini's kind of developed him into a much more... Um, he's much more effective central midfielder now. He passes forward more rather than backwards and sideways. And yeah, he's definitely one to watch out for. Um, as well as Declan Rice, who was at Chelsea as a kid, but he moved to West Ham in sort of his early teens. Um, and he's just broken through to the side. They're trying to get him on a new long-term contract at the moment. And I really hope they do because he's a fantastic player. Great. Yeah, you mentioned Pellegrini, and I think it's important to note that mm-hmm. I, I'm also noticing the importance of a, of a manager that I enjoy. Yeah. I don't understand enough about the tactics of, of football to, to maybe appreciate all of the moves they make. Um, okay. But, but some of it's just the charisma or the way they seem to interact with the players. And, and he was another, yeah. another guy that really – just stood out to me. I enjoyed watching him on the sidelines and his interaction <laughs> and stuff. So yeah, I, I mean, he's he won the Premier League with Manchester City um, before this, and he's got a really amazing managerial pedigree. Um, and when we brought him in, every all the fans were just so excited, and we spent 100 million over the summer. The chairman are really backing him. We've kind of got this long-term project to hopefully get into Europe um, in the next few seasons, which in the English leagues mean that you finish in the top six places. Yeah. Um, or win the FA Cup. Okay. So, yeah, that's what we're aiming for at the moment. Great. So is he, when, did he just come in over the summer as the manager? 
Yeah, he only just joined. So he's been in China for a couple of years, um, probably <laughs> probably just to get a bit more cash. But um, yeah. he's come back to West Ham and he hasn't lost it. And he's, yeah, he's been really, really good. It's great. That maybe even explains like some of the, the early season woes, right? Like you've got yeah, a sure. lot of players you brought in. They've got a gel. You got a new manager, a lot of stuff to work out. So it's good to see some of that come into fruition against some top tier clubs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple uh, of the other things I noticed, um, and again, this is forgive my ignorance, but it seemed like the right side, they were playing a lot of the balls up the right side, at least in the first half. Is that because the right side's stronger? Was there any, did you notice that as well? Or is that, uh, was that just me? Noticing. Yeah, that's a really interesting one um, because sort of our left-hand side is Felipe Anderson and Arthur Masaraku and they're both really excellent players. Um, and I, I was thinking, so sort of technically they would be classified as the better players, but I was thinking about that question earlier um, when you sent it over to me and I was thinking maybe it was a game plan by Pellegrini to sort of attack down that right-hand side <clears throat> with, with Yarmolenko because Manchester United seemed weaker down that side. They kind of had Chris Smalling as left centre-back who is known for kind of making mistakes um, quite often. And I think we just targeted that, really. Yeah, because the crosses seem to be coming from that side, which makes sense now. Mm -hmm. With Anderson coming over, he obviously takes that cross or that pass and yeah. you know, scores the goal. And, and then on the, <laughs> on the Rashford goal, do you know why there was yeah. on the post, like manning the post on that goal? Yeah, so... I think it was basically a case of the players just switched off. They went to sleep a little bit. Um, they were two nil up, and I think they kind of thought, "Okay, this is in the bag now." And um, they just lost their man. Um, <coughs> so Rashford got in, and to be fair, it was a great finish by Rashford, who is For a really sure. good player. He's a great player, um, and I, I, <laughs> if it, I don't know if it could ever happen, but I'd love him at West Ham. He's not getting enough game time at United, and he deserves a lot more. And he'd definitely get it at West Ham. So <laughs> I'd love him over here. Okay, so if, if you're listening, uh, Rashford, uh, we're making a push for you to, to move over to this game. He's definitely a fan of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard. I, all, all of the like three dozen people listening right now, um, he's one of them. He's one of them. Great. So every week we, we focus on a term of the week, which maybe for you, you don't understand uh, how hard it is for an American to understand. <laughs> Uh, football because the terminology is you know something you're born with but but for us stuff yeah. like kits and pitch and uh fixtures all of that stuff mm -hmm. are, is not the terminology we use so we're we're focusing on a different term each week and and this week cool. we're talking about more of a concept than a term yeah um, so we're talking about the 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 transfers and and how that works because that's way different than the way we do it here in america mm -hmm. so give me a little rundown on on what transfers are and, and kind of how they work okay so there's pretty much two main systems of transfer you've got a transfer sale where you sell a player to another club and a loan so I'll just talk for a transfer quickly. Um, so pretty much what you have is a team will have a um, network of scouts that they'll send out to go all over the world to look for players that they want to sign. Um, they'll pick a particular player, inquire about the player, see how much money they, they want. Um, and that inquiry will be sent to the club. Um, and so, yeah, they'll just come back with saying how much money they want, how much wages the players will need and whether they'll actually let the player go. Um, so once you've 
got that down, then you kind of negotiate for a fee and a wage, um, get that all agreed. Um, and then once that's done, you get the player over, sign the contract, do a quick medical to check that everything's um, all okay. And yeah, then the player is, is yours. Um, that can only happen at two specific times of the year. So that's the January transfer window, which is just in the month of January or in the summer period, the summer transfer window. So any other time of the year, you can't sign players. Okay. So there's a couple things um, you mentioned in there that I want, I want to learn a bit more about. So one, okay. when the team, so let's use Rashford as an example, right? So mm-hmm. West Ham wants Rashford. They can't do it till January. <laughs> um, yeah. And they, so they start negotiations at some point here this fall and winter. Um, yeah. and, but they're negotiating two things. They're negotiating, one, the fee that West Ham would pay Man U. Mm-hmm. And then they're also negotiating the contract with how much they're going to pay the player. Yes. Does yeah. one come, so, I'm assuming so, one comes before the other, right? I think typically it will be the transfer fee. Um, you kind of need to reach a level that the team are willing to speak to you about the contract um, because the contract you have to agree with the player and the player's agent. So you can't do that. You can't get access to the player until you've agreed a fee with the club and they've kind of given you that permission to speak to them. Um, and then within the contract, that's how the player gets their payment. So typically they'll get a signing on fee, which if we are using the Rashford example, would probably be, say, a £4 million signing on fee that will go directly to the player. There'll be an agency that the agents paid for for their work. And then they'll get um, weekly payment per week, which for a player like that would probably be ninety to £100,000 a week. Got it. Okay. So, okay. So I think I, think I understand that. The money that they're okay. playing with now, so it's, it's money that comes from other like selling of players, right? Like you, I think that's some of the stuff I've kind of noticed is, Oh, we brought, you know, a hundred million pounds in from selling X, Y, and Z player. And Mm -hmm. we can now use that money to buy some other players. Um, and then for the contracts that they're paying out, that's coming from ticket sales, uh, other TV contracts, overall revenue overall revenue yeah yeah for sure okay so it's pretty much like if you sell a player you it kind of goes into your transfer budget um and then you can use that to buy other players so great examples when tottenham sold gareth bale to real madrid they had 80 million pounds to play with which you know five years ago was a lot more money than it is now with the inflation in football and they kind of bought like 11 12 players and just completely um remade the squad pretty much wow okay Mm mm-hmm that's great. I think, I think I've got a decent handle on transfer. Okay. <laughs> now there, the second way is loans you mentioned, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So explain loans. So, so loan deals are pretty much where um, you can borrow a player from another club, typically for one season, can be for two seasons. Um, now this is usually done with young players that you want to send to a lower division team to get some experience. Um, so for example, we sent Reese Oxford, who's one of our academy players to Borussia Morden Gladbach in um, Germany last year. And he got some playing time there. So, you know, you kind of get exposure to first team football that they wouldn't get in the normal team. Um, so that's pretty much the main, um, reason that loans are done, but the actual payment side of it, 
it really, really does vary on which loan. So sometimes the the player, the team, sorry, that takes the player on loan will pay 100% of their wages. Sometimes there'll be an agreement to pay 50% or sometimes they'll pay none of the wages because the other team just want them to be playing in a first team. But there's no like, there's no transfer fee or loan fee because it's, it's kind of mutually beneficial. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, again, it depends on the loan. Sometimes you can get a really, really big um, fee paid to take somebody on loan. But typically, it's kind of like a taking a player for a season and you just contribute to their wages over time, which, um, yeah, it's sort of kind of like a compromise in the financial side of things. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Because uh, presumably, if you're a lower-tier team, you've got this Premier League team loaning you one of their players – it's someone who improves yeah. your club. So you're willing yeah. to pay a little bit of their, or maybe all of their salary, depending on the skill level, probably, or the, the terms of the agreement. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. That totally makes sense. That's great. It's super helpful. Now I can get a better idea of what the heck's going on out there. <laughs> Players moving around. Awesome, Johnny. Yeah. This has been, this has been super, super helpful. Um, it was great to see to see a win. It's always better to talk yeah. to a supporter uh, after a win, especially a big win like that. So, so congrats to yeah, it's amazing. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It's been really, really interesting to hear your side of things as well. Yeah, thank you. And uh, let my listeners know where where they can find your fan zone. Yeah. Um, so on Facebook, West Ham Fan Zone, um, and also we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're we're over all over social media. So yeah, just uh, drop us a like and a follow on those pages, and keep up to date with all West Ham news. All right. Well, this is great. I will for sure be keeping up, and uh, <laughs> really, really grateful to have you on. Thank you very much for having me, Nate. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Football Neophyte Podcast. Our theme song is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Thanks to One Mission, a community development organization giving people in poverty the opportunity to earn a house by serving their community. Thanks for letting me use a little bit of my work week to produce these episodes. If you like these podcasts, go to onemission.org donate and donate to this amazing organization. 100% of your donation will go directly to our projects and programs and be tied directly to a family. That's onemission.org slash donate. Recording, mixing, etc. is done by me, Nate Hughes. I'm not only a football neophyte, but I'm also a podcast neophyte. We're now both on iTunes and Google Play. Please rate us and comment if you enjoy the pod. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at footballneophyte. That's neophyte without the E. We'll be back next week with a new episode where we feature Southampton. Until then, grace, peace, and love. Oh, okay. I'm definitely not cheering for me and you. <laughs> they're my favorite team's rival, and their coach is a jerk. <laughs> Those are good reasons not to cheer for them.